Good morning, good morning. There we are. Good morning. Good morning. Before we get started, let's pray. Uh, we want to uh, go before our Heavenly Father and pray about this time. And just pray about what may be on your hearts. I know that in a group this size, um, we've got po people coming in here with their hearts filled with joy. I know that we have people coming in here that have had great loss this past week and are having a hard time and bringing that before the Lord. And so let's, uh, let's go before him right now and remind ourselves uh, who we're here for. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this gathering of people. Lord, and uh, I know there are people right here um, who have lost loved ones this past week. Some that were unexpected and some uh, losses were in response uh, to prayers and were a blessing for those that have gone on to receive their reward with you. But no matter what, Lord, we ask that you would uh, heal the hurt uh, and the sorrow that comes in those that uh, have experienced loss. Lord, we do. We, we pray the words that we just sang. You give and you take away, but blessed be your name. Amen. You are the one that we have faith in, whether uh, we have uh, the things that we're rejoicing that you've given or we have the things uh, that we're mourning the loss of. You are God. And you are the one that we have faith in. You are the one who loves us. You are the one who doesn't abandon us. You are the one who's in control. And so, Lord, we give you uh, praise and honor and our worship today for that. Lord, we ask again, send us rain. Uh, the land is parched. Uh, it is thirsty, and it needs your mercy. And so, Lord, we ask that you would uh, open up the, the uh, clouds and let the rain come forth on this land. We need that. Lord, we also ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit in that way on all of us, and not just us, but all believers here in this town. Uh, pray for Gateway Fellowship Church this morning, Lord, as they preach the gospel too, and they gather in your name. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. We all bend our knee to the same Lord, and through that, Lord, we ask that you would bless them during this time and us. Uh, make the church here in this town uh, something that is unified, that makes you happy in the way that, uh, that we lock arms and we try to fulfill your mission. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, talked about this a little bit last week. We're starting this journey. Uh, I've got this, uh, you, you see the imagery that's up here. It's this trail that we're on and it doesn't show a destination. And so some people have been asking, so where's this going to lead us? What's the destination? And they go, we don't know that yet. We don't know that. We're talking about how we're going to travel. And the way that we're going to travel is we're going to ask the Lord to guide us. We're not going to take off and go our own direction. And we're not going to take off and say, hey, we got our own marching orders and things that we want to do. We're asking God to do this for us. And so there's this idea that we're on a journey together. And on this journey, we want to make sure, like I said, that we're following the Lord. And, and I don't know, some of you, you, you may be going, if you're like me in a lot of ways, I am destination-oriented. I am one of the guys, let me tell you, yesterday came back from doing some dove hunting this weekend. I was out in Norton, Texas, which is out in the middle of nowhere for most people. Some people know, but I'm out there. And so I put in uh, the destination when I was heading there and the destination back. I put it in my app, and it gives me three options of how to go. I get to pick the fastest one or the best one, and then it gives me an estimated time of arrival, which, if you're like me, is the time to beat. That's the way I look at it, Right? That's the time to beat. Amen. You know, challenge accepted. Yes, sir. So uh, that's the way I'm going to drive. And the reason for that is because I'm destination oriented. In other words, the first thing I do is start talking about this journey is to go, when can I get there? How can I get there? What's the fastest way to get there? How will I arrive? 
And I don't know, but there's a lot of people like that. Like, I even grew up in a family. My parents were hilarious when we would travel because my mom grew up in this family with her dad. And the joke was, and I don't know there's so much of a joke, is when they would go on vacation, they would drive to the end of the street, and my mom's dad, my grandfather, would flip a coin. Heads, we go left. Tails, we go right. And we drive until half our money's gone, and then we come back. Now, that's one way to travel. And there may be some of y'all like, well, that sounds exciting, and that sounds awesome. But let me tell you, for my dad, it drove him insane. He could not do that. He comes from a different fam set of, of, of rules and values and a different family. Theirs was, we got to make good time. we got to make good time. So we're going from here to Florida to Disney World, and Dad's getting it together because we got to leave on time so that we can have our first break on time for the bathroom, so that we can eat lunch at the right time, so that we arrive at the right time. we got to make good time. What he was concerned about constantly is making good time. And that's really more my personality, is this idea of making good time. And the idea that on the way, all I can think about is when we're going to arrive and how we're going to arrive and what it's going to look like when we get there. And I don't know, it, a lot of us are in places like that, right? I mean, if you're in college, you're in one of those spots where you're going, hey, I'm entering into this time of college and it's going to be maybe hopefully four years, maybe a little less, right? It, and, and at the end of that, I don't know what that's going to look like, but you have in your head, I'm trying to get X. And sometimes what happens through that is you blow through that time and you forget what God's doing in you during that time. And God's doing something in you. Maybe you move to a place and you go, hey, I don't plan to be here forever. This is a temporary stop along my life. And you get there and you're thinking to yourself, I'm trying to go from X to Y. And I have in my head what this is going to look like and where I'm going. And you forget that where you are right now, God is doing something in you. He's making a people. And that's what this journey is for us, is to go, yes, we're looking for a vision. At the end of this, we hope we will have a vision statement and we will have some strategies that come out of that. But don't get so wound up in that and be thinking, well, I hope the vision looks like this. I hope the vision looks like that. I hope it doesn't do this. And forget that on the way, God's going to do something in us. This is why we're praying, right? I hope we come up with this wonderful vision for this church. But let me tell you, if we spend months going to the Lord together and going, God, Search our hearts. Guide us. Make us the people you want. We've already won, right? God's doing something in us. He'll make something out of us while we go. So there's different ways of looking at journeys. And, you know, if you think about God, he tends to operate more the way my mom's dad did, right? I mean, even the way that he calls people. Like he went to Abraham and he said, hey, pick up your stuff and go to the place that I'll show you. And Abraham goes, where's that? And he goes, the place that I'll show you. There's, how long is that going to take, and what's the direction, and what's the ETA? So that I can be, the place that I'll show you, right? Jesus comes and he calls the disciples, and he goes, hey, drop your nets, quit fishing, and come follow me. Where are we going? How long is it going to take us to get there? What's it going to look like at the end? He didn't give them any of that. It's, you come follow me. You know, it's, it's thankful. If he had tried to explain to them what this is going to look like, I don't know that they'd have gone. But then again, the way that it ended, right? We're going to go through all of this, and then there will be resurrection at the end of it. But in the meantime, I'm going to make something of you. And so that's what I want to look at today is a little bit of how God operates with his people while they travel, while they journey. And in particular, I want us to take a look at the Israelites as they traveled from uh, slavery and bondage in Egypt. 
Okay, they were in this place where they go, we're in slavery, we're suffering, suffering, and it's awful. And they're going to this place that God promised them that's this land of milk and honey. And this is where they're going. But how they did it is the important part and how God looks at that. So we're going to be in Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus a lot today. But we're going to start in Exodus 6, verses 6 through 8. Because God lays out a plan for them on how they're going to travel. And it's a good plan for us. It's a good plan for us too. So we're going to take a look at that. Exodus 6, verses 6 through 8. This is what the Lord said. Therefore, say to the Israelites, he's talking to Moses, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land that I swore with uplifted hand to give to you. Sorry, I lost, lost my spot there and there. That I, will give to, that I promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I will give you as a possession, I am the Lord. That's the way that, that one ends. Okay, so this is the Lord saying, here's going to be the plan. I am going to redeem you. I am going to pull you out of Egypt. I am going to lead you where we're going to go. But then, here's the thing that he talks about. And then I will be your God and you will be my people. So there's this, here's the circumstances. God's going, I'm about to change your circumstances. You're not going to be in Egypt anymore. You're not going to be people in slavery anymore. I'm going to take you to this new place. But in this new place, you need to understand something. This is the place where I'll be your God and you will be my people. Now, that seems like a very minor thing and kind of understood, but it's not. What he's really talking about here is to say, I'm going to take you to a place where we're going to have a different relationship. On the way, we're going to change. So here's the deal. There's this promised land, and there's this place that we're going to, but it's not just a piece of dirt for you to live on. I'm not just picking you up from one piece of dirt and putting you on another piece of dirt. That's not what this is. Yes, the place that you're going to is a fertile place. And yes, it has mountains, and you can grow things, and there's water, and there's all of this food that you're going to have at that time. But I'm going to give you a place where I'm your God, and you're my people. We're going to have this kingdom where things are the way that they're supposed to be. Right? This is, this is the Lord defining the relationship. Have you ever had that? This, uh, maybe when you were dating or something like that. I don't know if you've heard that, but the DTR, defining the relationship, that was a big deal when I was in college a long time ago. When you dated somebody, you would have this conversation that goes, so where are we going and what are we doing with this? Right? We're going to be a couple. Are we dating exclusively? That's that define the relationship conversation. And that's what the Lord's doing here. We're going to define the relationship that we have and how this is going to work. I'm not just taking you to a physical destination. I'm taking you to a spiritual destination. Where we're going is this kingdom where things are the, the way that they're supposed to be. It's this destination of relationship. And that's where they're going. It's where God is God and his people are the people and they don't get that confused. Right? I may have mentioned this to you before. It's one of the favorite phrases that I heard from an old preacher. He goes, you know, the biggest difference between you and God, God's never confused into thinking he's you. Right? That's a good one. That's helpful to me. Right? So he said, if you will let me be the God, and you will be my people and my children, things will work out much better. 
So that's the relationship we're going with. And then he says, and I have a plan for this journey, and here's the way this is going to go. I mean, they, they, they immediately, the Lord starts telling them, here's how we're going to pack for this journey, and here's what we're going to take with us. So I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about that. The first thing that he's going to talk about is this journey is going to be more relationship-focused than it is destination-focused. And that's what we want to this is going to be more relationship-focused than destination-focused. That's where he's talking about in Exodus 6, 7 that we read about earlier. We said, I'm going to take you as my people, and, and I will be your God. That's him talking about how the relationship works here, right? This is not going to be about how good a time. If you look at this journey, this was not about us making good time, right? This took them a long time. This is not faster is better. This is not the shortcut. They didn't have that in any way. But God is more relationship-focused on this than destination-focused. And the reason is because there's no power in the destination. The place that he's taking them, this promised land, is not magic land. It's not a place where you go, well, as soon as we land there, all of our problems will be over. It's not like that. It's a nice place, and it is a fertile place that he was taking them to, but it's not magically going to solve their problems, and it's not going to create the relationship that he wants for them. And that's deeply what he wants is to have this relationship. So on the way, he says, you're going to learn how to be my people, and you're going to learn what it's like to let me be your God as we travel. And there's a few ways that he did that, right? One is through his presence. Another one is the way it's through protection, and another one is through provision. you got to love it when they all start with the same letter, right? That helps you remember. His presence, his protection, and his provision. So this is the way that this works through Exodus. After he says, I'm going to pick you up from here, and I'm going to take you to there, here's the things that he talked about while they travel. This is Exodus 13, 21, and 22. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. That's his presence. This is how we're going to travel. You're going to have me with you the whole time. That's his presence. Then in Exodus 14, the next chapter, verses 13 and 14, Moses answered the people when they're about to be attacked and go into war, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There's his protection. So as we go... If there's fighting to be done, I will take care of that. You rely on me. You watch and you be still and you watch how I take care of the fights that you need to have. And then in, in chapter 16, verses 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and they're going to gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. That's provision. I'm going to make all of, all of your needs, your physical needs, come to you. There's going to be bread that's going to fall out of the sky. There's going to be quail that I'm going to send. I'm going to make sure that you have water. So I'm going to make sure that you're provided for in every way that you need. That's him showing it. This is what it's like for me to be God. And when you trust in this, that I'll do this. This is what it's like for you to be my people. I'm going to get you to your destination. I'm going to get you where you need to go. But on the way... We have some relationship work to do, you and I. We're going to work on that. On the way, you're going to be changed. There's going to be something different about you. You're going to learn to trust me. You're going to learn to rely on me. You're going to learn, that's that abide. You're going to learn to rest 
and abide and trust in me. And the reason for that is because ultimately that was God's will on this journey. It's not a foreign piece of dirt. It's to go, we're going to work on this so that you and I are the way that we're supposed to be. I'm God and you're my people and you rely on that. And I'll tell you, that's what the Lord is so much more interested for us than us finding a vision. At the end of this, if we had this great vision and the way it looked, that's fine. But really on the way, I think the Lord's going, man, during this time, don't forget you and I, man, we're going to be drawn closer together. I want you to walk with me. I want you to rely on me. I want you to understand your need for me. I want you to trust me. I want you to stay right next to me while we do this to where you're abiding in me. The next part about this trip is that he wants us to remember that our task is not to know what's going to happen. It's to know God. And that's a big part too. Like I said, I get I get destination-oriented. I get to looking at that. And some of us have gone that way already. Our brains are way out there. We're already looking at the destination. And we need to remember that to know God is the best thing that can happen during this time for us. If we become this church that knows God better and we let him lead us in every way, we will have done something that will make us all better. It will be a blessing to us. It will make us free. It's not about what's going to happen. It's about knowing God. Let me explain uh, and share with you a little bit about how that story went. Exodus 33, 13, this is what Moses says to the Lord. He's, this is their negotiation before they head out from Mount Sinai to go to the promised land. There's this negotiation that Moses does with the Lord. He says, if you are pleased with me, this is Moses speaking, then teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of this earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do what you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. Moses' call through all of this is let me know you. Let me know your ways. Let me know your glory. Let me see who you are. Guide me in this. Now, the interesting part about this negotiation, it's happening because God's mad. He's ticked at this time. He's upset. And you want to know what he's upset about? I'll tell you. Let's go back a few verses. I'm going to back up and show you verses 3 and 4 in, in Exodus 33. This is what the Lord says. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going to go with you. Because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. Listen, I've been on some rough journeys before. And I remember being a kid when my dad would get stressed. He's threatened to pull over the car. I think at one point he actually threatened to leave me on the side of the road. He didn't. But I have never heard that sort of problem on a journey to go, listen, I cannot go with you. I'm afraid if I do, I'm going to destroy you on the way. That is pretty rough. Yeah, you take off your ornaments and not put those back on. That is distressing in so many different ways, right? That is a hard thing. When they heard these distressed word, distressing words, those are very distressing words. And this is the interesting part about this that I love about this story. What God's doing is going, I will make you a trade. I will trade you the destination 
for my presence. You can still go. It'll still be the land of milk and honey. You can still arrive there. I will let you have the exact same destination, the exact same place. It will still have milk and honey, but I'm not going with you. I'll trade you the destination for my presence. And Moses goes, no deal. No way. I don't want the end if you're not going with us. I don't want the destination if we don't have your presence during this time. It's not a deal, man. The promised land with milk and honey and all of that means nothing if you don't travel with us. If we don't have your presence on the journey, then we don't want to arrive there. Man, that's the faith a church should have, right? That's what we should be saying. That's us going, hey, listen, we're going to do this, and we're going to have this vision time, and we're going to be looking for where God wants us, what God wants us to do, and we're going to have these ministries like we do now where we're helping the poor, and we're visiting those in prison, and we're taking care of those in need, and we're trying to reach people. But here's the deal. None of that matters if God doesn't go with us. Amen. It's not a destination worth going to if God does not go with us. We cannot trade the destination for his presence. If we desire his provision more than we desire his presence, then we have made an idol, and we cannot do that. Here's the third part that we're going to do on this journey that he taught them in the same way. Don't let the circumstances and the things around us, don't let anything overshadow the miracle of his presence. Nothing should take our eyes away from the fact that we have the miracle of the presence with God. That's the thing about this, right? The Lord talked about it earlier. Or it, we saw it earlier in Exodus where he said, I'm going to go before you all the time. I'm going to be in cloud during the day. I'm going to be in fire during the night. I will never leave you. My presence will never go. I will always be there during that time. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the people of Israel during this time had kind of a reputation for being complainers and being grumblers. They would complain about everything, everything, right? You know how hard this is when you get in the car. And I remember my kids that, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? How long is this going to take? Can you imagine having about 20,000 of those people and going, we'll get there when we get there. 36 more years and then we'll get there. Don't worry, right? I mean, there's, there's some serious grumbling that could be going on during this time. And while they grumbled and while they grumbled, they forgot that they had the miracle of the presence of God right in front of them that they could see all the time. How do you fuss about where you're going to get water and about what food you have to eat and about whether or not you're going to get lost and about the people who are waging war on you when you can look and go, there he is right there. Every day we have him. We have his presence with us all the time. You know, I know that they could look and go, hey, the, the food falling from the sky is cool. The walls of Jericho falling down, that's awesome. Part in the Red Sea, that was good. But the miracle is that God was there all the time. The presence in cloud, in fire, always right there in front of him. We cannot forget what a miracle that is. And that as we travel, we have the presence of the Lord with us. We have the living Holy Spirit that is here active among us. We do not travel alone. And we're not going to go do this alone. We have the presence of the Lord right in front of us. And let me, it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. I always grew up looking at this time with them and the wilderness and the idea of the wilderness as being like it was some sort of punishment. Or it was this very, very hard, difficult, awful thing to shape them. And, you know, when you think about that, I don't think the Lord looked at that 
that time in that way. It, it, you got to wonder if maybe what the Lord was doing is going, hey, while you were in this spot in between, while you're in this spot where you're traveling from A to B somewhere, when it was just us out in the wilderness and I was providing for you all the time and I was protecting you and I was guiding you all the time, I wonder if the Lord goes, man, that was one of the best times for me. That was the time that I really cherish with my children. You ever had that? Those, those times where you go, hey, you took one of your kids and you go, listen, we're going to go on this trip and we're going to travel. Maybe it's fishing or shopping or whatever it is. And on the way, it'll just be me and you. Those times where it was just me and one of my daughters and we got to go spend that time alone with your father and it was just us and maybe we'd go out camping and we'd get away. Those are the times I cherish. Those are not the times of punishment. I would hate it if my daughter went, oh, it was my dad punishing me when we went on these trips together and it was just me and him and he bought all the food and he drove the whole time. That's not punishment. That's a precious time with people that I love. I think in the same way that the Lord may look at that and go, this was one of my favorite times with you. If I can, I'll share with you a little bit about what God worked on me with. Um, you know, we got here a little over a year ago in July. And, you know, I had it in my head, this destination. What I'm going to do is I'm going to move from Austin and I'm going to move to Kerrville and I'm sell my house in Austin for a bundle. And then I'm going to move here and I'm going to buy a house and it will set up and I'll be at this church and everything will be wonderful. And destination-wise, that's what I was thinking. And it, it just didn't work out that way. Um, couldn't sell my house. Couldn't find a place to live. I mean, through the grace of some very sweet people, thank you, Julie, who let me stay in, in their uh, little Verbo apartment, kind of garage apartment, I had a wonderful place to stay. But if, if I can, it, let me tell you what God did with us during this time. So we were in a, a little apartment, and it didn't really have a kitchen. There's no oven. There's no dishwasher. There's no stove. And I had a college refrigerator uh, for me and Melissa. That's all we had. And we were there for several months. And so one of the things we learned to do is there was no leftovers. It's like manna, right? I mean, we didn't have room for leftovers. So every day, I would go by the grocery store and buy what we were going to eat that night. And then we would have that food. And on some ways, we would lament the fact that we didn't have a freezer and we didn't have an oven or a stove. But let me tell you, there was something really neat about going our daily bread. I had to go and gather my daily bread every day. And then we would come and we would eat that. And then there was this idea of going, how long are we going to be here? And we didn't know. Didn't know. I don't know when my house is going to sell. I don't know. People were like, hey, are you trying to look for a house? Are you trying to look for an apartment? I'm like, I don't know. Do you want a six-month lease? Do you want to? I don't know. I don't know how long we're going to be here. I don't know what we're doing. And it got, it, it, there were some times where it was kind of hard. You know, we have daughters that were going, hey, we want to make plans to come see you for Thanksgiving. Where should we come? I'm like, I don't, will we be in a house? We, gonna have, we still have the house in Austin. Will we be there? The place we were staying was too small to have it. We didn't even have a kitchen table. And it's one of those to go, so what are you going to do? I, go, I don't know. Let me tell you what that did to me. And Melissa, we talked about this a lot. On the nights when I would wake up and I would be stressed about where we're going to be in a few months, what's this going to look like? Where's the destination? When does this end? When will we get there? What will it look like? That stuff made me anxious. I lost some sleep over that. But then there were times where Melissa and I would talk and we would go, but look where we are. And we, we talked about it. It's kind of like this wilderness time. And she goes, look how beautiful the wilderness is. We were staying out in Mountain Home at this beautiful place. 
there's all the animals out around there, and we would sit out at night, we would watch the sunset, and she goes, man, we don't want to miss how beautiful the wilderness is. Don't miss how wonderful the wilderness is for the sake of the destination. The Lord was giving us everything we needed during that time. We lacked nothing. And what we started talking about was going, when you look up and try and find out where you're going, that's when you get stressed. But you look down and you go, all we got to do is gather this. The Lord's provided it in every way. Just pick it up and be blessed and enjoy the wilderness because that's the time when the Lord is taking care of you in every way. May that be our time together as we do this. Let us not get too focused on what this looks like in the future. Let us not get too focused on where this is going to land. Let's watch the Lord guide us. Watch him change us and let's become different people. That's what we're going to do. And let me tell you, just as we close real quick, that is not the only time that the Lord said those words where he said, hey, look, we're going to go on this journey and I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. That has always been his desire. And besides the time that he said it in Exodus when he was taking them from slavery into the promised land, then later with his people when they get taken out of captivity and they get taken to a foreign land, and they're about to come back, and, and Jeremiah the prophet is telling them about when you will come back. This is what he said, Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. This is centuries after Exodus. At that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, and I will write on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Because that's still what he wants with them. You're going to journey back from captivity. What's it going to be like? I'll be God and you'll be my people. We need to get our relationship right. And not only that, but if you go to the end of your Bible in Revelation, when you have the Apostle John and he's got this vision of what heaven's going to be like, this is what it says in Revelation 21, 2, and 3. I saw the holy city. This is a vision John has. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Amen. This is what we want. This is what God wants. This is what he's always wanted. This is what he will want for eternity. Let me be God. You be my people. I'll take care of the stuff. You follow me. You walk with me. And I'm going to change you while this happens. Things will be different. You'll become a new person on the journey. May we be people who lean deeply into our Lord. May we learn to rely on him. May we trust him. And may we become different as we spend this time together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your love. And we thank you that your desire is to make sure that our relationship is right. And Lord, we want that. We are not you. Uh, our job is not to uh, provide, protect and make our own presence known all the time. That is for you to do. And so, Lord, we ask that you teach us to rely on you. Teach us what it means to be children who trust you, who rely on you, who lean on you constantly. And through that, we are closer, and our relationship is the way that it's supposed to be. Lord, guide us during this time. Let us see you clearly and realize that you have never left the front of us uh, as we follow. Let us not get out in front of you and try and lead you, but instead we follow you wherever you may uh, lead us. And it's through the name of Jesus we pray all this. Amen.